All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is episode six of the Building the Blueprints podcast. You know, I've got the giggles starting off today because this is try number four getting this intro because I keep saying stuff like I'm excited, but I really am trying to change things up. I am pumped. I am pumped for today's episode. I wanted to start off with a nice shout out to my mom. She's a new listener of the Building the Blueprints podcast. And I'm so, that's so big. That's exciting stuff. So I, this one's, this one's to you, mom, you know who you are. And today, ladies and gentlemen, man, like the, the, the reservoir of people that I, I get to the pleasure of interviewing just continues to grow. And I'm so excited. This is a podcast that people like hearing about and they want to be a part of. And today I've got a great coworker of mine, a dear friend over the past two years. She is a phenomenal human being. She's an Enneagram too. And she has helped me through all of my endeavors of being an athletic trainer. Her name is Amanda Covington. And I am so excited for her to be able to share her story today because it is epic. And it's not just one season of life that she's going to tap into. It's multiple. And I am so excited for you guys to hear about it because it's going to be, it's going to be great. So without further ado, Amanda, how would you like to start off? Thanks for having me today, Alicia. It is so good to have you here. Amanda is such a wise person. She has given me so much wisdom in so many different areas of life. Most recently, we've been getting a lot more in tune with sharing our faith with each other. Would you say that's right? Yeah. It's been really great. Um, We could bounce ideas off of each other, and it's just been really good. Amanda, um, I'm going to ask you a question that I ask everybody on the podcast, and that is, what gives you motivation? So I've never actually really thought about that question, Alicia. (laughs) I am very internally motivated, but as I'm answering this question, I'm realizing that my motivation should actually be to honor the Lord and all that I do. So that's something I need to work on. Hey, I, I'm in the same boat. I think mine is external rewards. So like I'm fighting for the chocolate cake. So I clearly need to be going for the Lord as well. So you know what? We're in the same boat. But with the first question, I wanted to start off with asking, what are you going to be sharing with us today? Today, I'm going to be talking about the sin of bitterness and redemption through the gospel. What a topic! That's going to be, this is going to get intense, folks. So if you're, if you're standing up, sit down, get your seatbelt ready because it's going to, it's going to be a ride. This is going to be a good time. I'm excited for this topic. I really, really need to change the word. I'm excited. You know, I need a, I need a different catchphrase. But anyway, moral of the story is, Amanda, if you wouldn't mind, can you share about what's the difference of where you used to be and where you are now with the sin of bitterness and how you kind of got through that season of redemption with the Lord. I think we all face trials of many kinds and we all suffer. This is due to living in a fallen world. It's so easy to get caught up in the hurt and the confusion when we're in the middle of a storm and ask, why did this happen to me? Throughout my life, my family and I have faced many hardships. When I was six, our house was destroyed by a tornado. My mother and I were injured, and there was a great amount of loss associated with this. My mother was diagnosed with cancer when I was in college, and then in graduate school, I got engaged, and six months later, we ended our engagement. All of this led to a lot of anger and frustration and confusion. I was angry with the Lord, and I was angry that He would allow all of that to happen in my life. I let that anger slowly turn to bitterness, and I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want to read the Bible. I didn't want to pray, so I stopped all of it. In the midst of my anger and hurt, I ran from the Lord and distanced myself from Him. During that season of bitterness, I lost my joy. I was always stressed out. 
I was discontent and constantly looking for the next thing to focus on or work towards. I threw myself into my work and education and even dance classes, and I put walls up around my heart so that people could only get so close to me. I used distraction to cope with the war that was raging in my heart and mind because I didn't want to tell anyone what was going on. Vulnerability has always been really hard for me, and so it just made keeping that all in so much easier to do. I didn't want to be held accountable for my sin. I let my anger grow more and more and bitterness eventually led to depression. Bitterness is the fruit of our reaction to how we respond to hurt and loss. It's harbored hurt and unforgiveness. It steals your joy and makes you miserable. It's a loss of perspective. We put up barriers and walls with others when we become bitter. It sucks the life out of you and can even change your appearance over time. In Ruth 1, 19 through 21, it says, So the two of them continued their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is it really Naomi? The woman asked. Don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara. For the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer? The Almighty has sent such great tragedy upon me. The name Mara means bitter. She had grown so bitter. She had only been gone for 10 years, and the people of the town didn't even recognize her when she returned. It's so hard to see our own bitterness. However, it will eventually come out in our words and actions. When we're bitter, the last place we want to look to is God. However, this is the first place we should go. We need to repent of our sin. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. We can't deal with bitterness on the surface level. We must deal with it at our at its root. Dang. Like I said, folks, I knew this was going to get get intense. Thank you for being vulnerable. I, like you just mentioned, it's hard for you. So I appreciate you telling this and telling these situations that you went through because I know it wasn't easy to go through those, let alone share about it. And I think what your message is, is so incredible to share with people because we all go through that in so many different ways. And I was actually just writing a discussion board about this and you had to, it was a health and wellness class and you kind of had to go through and share, okay, let's be real for a second, share something that you've gone through in your life and how'd you get through it. And honestly, God is truly the only thing that could get you out of things. And it's so easy to fall into that world of, I want to go to the distractions. I want to go to the temporary satisfactions that make me feel good. But then it honestly, it's like a snowball effect. They make you feel so good. The hardship that's going on underneath just continues to grow like a snowball and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then the more that builds up, it's harder to run away from. And the bigger it is, the more it smashes you when it gets to you. So it's so hard to go to God because you're like, oh, I'm already going through so much. I can't deal with actually dealing with this. And then boom, it hits you. But I appreciate this topic because I think that it definitely will speak to a lot of people in different ways. So kind of harping off of the idea that it was hard to go to God, although that's what we need to do. How did you realize you needed to change your perspective instead of just staying in your season of bitterness and staying in the season of sulking? Because that's also just so easy to do. How did you get out of that? So my bitterness lasted a little over two years. And Alicia, you actually met me at the like 
tail end of that season for me. I had lost perspective. And when the Lord began drawing me back, I was actually hesitant and I really struggled because I felt like I had failed him. I was embarrassed that I responded to my circumstances the way that I did. And I didn't understand how he could love me and want a relationship with me after I had been angry with him for so long. I knew that God was just and holy and sovereign. And I knew that he loved us, but I didn't understand the depth of his love and his forgiveness, grace, and mercy and kindness. I had to stop looking outward and blame and examine my own heart. The outcome of our lives is not determined by what happens to us or what we go through, but it's determined by how we respond to these things. It's how we allow our circumstances to change our view of God. Once I learned the depth of God's unconditional love for his children, my perspective completely changed and the guilt and shame and anger were no longer a part of me. I repented of my sin and turned to Christ. Today, I'm more joyful than I have ever been. I have peace that surpasses all understanding. I have become a member of a wonderful church. I have many new great friends, and I have strengthened relationships with old friends. I am content with where I am in life. I love my job, and my relationship with the Lord is stronger than it's ever been, and it continues to grow on a daily basis. I now have a good understanding of the gospel, and I see the Lord's protection in every situation. We shouldn't have survived that tornado but the Lord protected us. My mother has been cancer-free for almost four years and is doing great, and my singleness has allowed me time to learn how to support myself, build strong relationships with others, grow in grace, and strengthen my relationship with Christ. The moment I first realized that my perspective needed to change and that I was full of bitterness was actually during a phone call with one of my best friends back in August of 2019. I was complaining that I felt lonely, and she suggested that I get involved in a church. I told her that I did not want to. <laughs> But after a little over a year of bottling everything up, for the first time, I actually told her what was going on. I told her that I was angry with the Lord, and I explained why. Leon lovingly reminded me that we're to be obedient to the Lord out of our love for Him, and not because we expect Him to bless us for being obedient. She also reminded me that we're never promised a life without trials. My perspective immediately changed, and it felt like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders. That moment in our conversation was filled with so much conviction but it was also very freeing. I began attending the church that I'm now a member of a couple weeks after our conversation, and there was a lot that had to be worked through, and there was a great deal of shame and guilt that I felt sitting in church each week. But my attitude slowly began to change, and the walls around my heart slowly began to crumble. In June of 2020, more heartbreak occurred, but this time, instead of running away from the Lord, I ran to Him. I began reading the Bible every day and praying. In August, my Sunday school teacher connected me with a woman in the church to do a book study on the gospel with, and she quickly became one of my best friends. The book we studied was The Gospel for Real Life by Jerry Bridges, and I highly recommend it to everyone. Once my view of God changed and I understood the gospel, my heart slowly began to soften and change. What you believe about God and who He is completely changes your relationship with Him, how you live, and what you think about yourself, and how you respond to every situation. We can't always control our circumstances, but we can control how we respond to them. God is sovereign, and He uses the circumstances in our lives to refine us. This is part of the process of sanctification. Once I saw his protection through my circumstances and the opportunities for growth through them, I was no longer angry with him for allowing me to face those trials. I'm actually very thankful for them now. Wow, that's a lot of good stuff. I don't really know how to describe how I feel right now. I feel very kind of freed by what you said, but also I just relate but in my own way. I mean, you went through a lot. You had three examples that you'd share and you're going to share more about, but 
those are three big life circumstances that happen. And I just think that it's incredible that you sought the Lord in times of trial. And that's also another hard thing to do in general. Like we're not called to have easy lives. We're not called to just we're called to love the Lord, you know, and, and from that good things happen. But the hardships that happen are a lot of the times because we're fighting God and trying to do things our own way. So I think it's cool that you let him work in your life and you also let him change and orchestrate your life and, and change your heart because that's not easy to go through, let alone what you're going through like in the flesh. So that's awesome. And I I think it's just so encouraging to hear about because God is so good. And I think that people underestimate that if you just run to him, he will save you. He's not a bad father and he's always looking out for us and just has the best intentions for us. So I think it's really cool that you're seeing the fruit and the actual actions that God gives because he has so many different characters. It's insane. And he's just such a good God and such a good father. So so you kind of touched on certain things that you've learned along the way. And you've learned that obviously running to God is important in times of need. But what modifications have you made since your heart has been changed in this way? The biggest thing I've learned through all of this is the characteristics of God. And I have gained a deeper understanding of the gospel, which shows the depth of God's love for us. We're all sinners in need of a savior. And Jesus left heaven to come to earth to live a perfect life so that he could sacrifice himself by dying on the cross to pay the debt for our sins so that we can be found blameless before God and be reconciled to him. All that Christ did in both his life and death, he did in our place as our substitute. He did this out of his love for us. We deserve an eternity in hell, but through grace, God chooses to allow us to spend eternity in heaven with him through his son. He adopts us as his children. We are justified through Christ's death. We are only saved through repentance and faith in Christ. The moment we trust in Christ, we become partakers and beneficiaries of all that he did both in his life and death. Romans 8:1 says there is now no condem- Romans 8:1 says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Jerry Bridges, in his book, The Gospel for Real Life, which I mentioned earlier, said, The extent to which we understand that when God looks at us, He sees His Son, is the extent to which we will begin to enjoy the unsearchable riches that are found in Christ. If through faith we lay hold of what Christ did for us, we will also begin to experience His working in us. That's more good stuff. I like that you keep mentioning how you turn to scripture too, because I think scripture is something that people are f- afraid of. It's kind of like a scary subject for people because they get so lost. And something that's been relevant, something that I think is worth addressing is that just because somebody turns to scripture, you know, to find a verse that makes them feel good for that temporary action of like, the Lord will give me strength, you know, like that's so good. That's the truth. But what's the context behind that? You know, and I really think that understanding the God gospel. It's not just reading it like, oh, I checked that off my my to-do list today. I read the Bible. It's like understanding scripture. Once you understand it and understanding that like we were created to be perfect humans and sin, there's literally only two chapters in the entire Bible that are sinless. And it's the first two right before the fall and So I think understanding scripture and understanding why we're all, we are here and why we are where we are is incredibly important. It's more than just looking up a verse because you're throwing a pity party for yourself and you need something to keep me moving. Like that's like a little piece of sugar that you're taking just to give you a fuel throughout the day. Like you need more than that. What are your thoughts on that? So the Bible is how God speaks to us. Um, He speaks to us through scripture and his word, but then he allows us to talk back to him through prayer. 
So when we study the scripture, we need to ask what it's telling us about God. We don't need to ask, what does this say that I need to do? Or what does this say about me? Because that's when we can start taking things out of context. And when you read the Bible and study scripture, you also need to have a plan and a purpose for how you're studying. You don't just need to close your eyes and open the Bible and point to a verse and open your eyes and be like, all right, this is what this scripture says, because that's not going to work. And you might get some really weird verses out of that and not understand what they mean at all. So just make sure that when you're studying, you have a set plan in how you're going to study the word. Yeah, I agree with that. I think a lot of people have their recommendations of where to start in the Bible if you've never read the Bible before or you don't really understand it. Stories get twisted. So I think reading it straight up is just how to do it. And, you know, I've heard people say, start in Matthew, start in John. You know, those, those are great. But honestly, I found my own success in Genesis, just starting in the very beginning. And then like you start and you're like, man, this earth is phenomenal. Everything is good. And then boom, like everything just changes and it's a quick 180. And then they struggle throughout the entire Bible. And we're struggling now because of how big of a fall that was. And talking about starting at the beginning, I personally really like the chronological Bible reading plan because it takes you from the very beginning all the way through the end, but instead of going Genesis, Exodus, and so on and so forth, it pulls stories from different books of the Bible and all wraps them in to one long storybook, basically. So you can see the entirety of the Bible from beginning to end in chronological order. I highly recommend, like you said earlier, having some sort of plan rather than just kind of going at it blind because it makes it a lot harder that way. And then you're like less motivated. You're not as enticed to finish the next story or finish the next chapter because you're like, meh, it's just random. I can do what I want. But so I think that's really good. I kind of wanted to throw out a wild card question and ask, what were some of the things that you felt and experienced when you were going through a hard situation like that? What was a part of the tree of bitterness that you were feeling? So I'll kind of go with the most recent issue and the one that kind of really broke me for a long time. When I got engaged, I fully believed this is the man I'm going to marry. This is the man I'm going to spend the rest of my life. We went and looked at wedding venues over Christmas that Christmas when he was in my hometown with me and my family. And we had picked one and we had picked a date. He had met my friends And I was really excited to plan a future with him. And I think that's what a lot of women grow up thinking. They're going to either marry their high school sweetheart or they're going to go to college and meet the man of their dreams and then get married right after. And for me, I had gone to college and I didn't meet anyone from my undergrad town. And then I did my internship in Alabama. And that's where we met. We started dating. And then I moved to Lynchburg and got engaged soon after I had moved up here. And that was going really well. And then about six months into our engagement, things really started going downhill. At first, I thought, maybe it's just cold feet. And then I realized that there were actually some legitimate issues that we needed to work through or marriage was not going to work for us. And I wanted to honor the Lord and all that I did. And we both wanted to honor the Lord in our relationship. And so we really strived for that. And so when we started having questions and seeing things start going downhill, it was really hard to make that decision of this is not what's right for us because we had already made that commitment to one another. And I had already promised him like, yes, I will marry you. When a man proposes to you and you say yes, you want to spend the rest of your life with him. So it was approaching spring break and I was actually supposed to go 
pay for the venue, get it on the calendar, find my bridesmaids dresses, find my dress. And the week before all that was supposed to happen, we realized this is not what needs to happen. And so even in that, the Lord's provision was there and just protecting us in that moment. But when all of that ended, instead of seeing the Lord's provision in that and his protection in that situation, I got really mad because I was like, you know that the deepest desire of my heart is to get married and have children. And we did everything that we could to honor you in our relationship. And you've taken that away from me. I think it took me a really long time to kind of work through those feelings and actually let myself feel that. I'm really good at compartmentalizing things. And so I tend to, I kind of explain it as having this big filing cabinet in my brain. And when something happens, I just stick it in a filing folder and close the drawer and hope that it never comes out again. But that doesn't work long term. And (laughs) so I kind of just compartmentalized that and tried to move on and continue with my life and act like nothing was wrong. But in that process, I shut down. I also didn't have very many friends here at that point because I had only been living here for eight months and I was a full-time student and I was working full-time and I had some, I had a few really good friends here, but I also felt a lot of loneliness in that season as well. And so whenever he was gone, which was someone who I had poured so much of my time and heart into, it's like someone died. So that was the best way I could describe it to anyone was like, it just feels like someone died which is hard in and of itself because I also didn't understand the grieving process. And I thought that I could just put a timeline on my grieving and say, all right, in a month from now, I'm going to move on, act like none of this happened, and act like I'm all happy all the time. And that was not the case. So I put walls up. People would ask how I was doing, and I would say, oh, I'm fine, when really on the inside, I was hurting very deeply. And words could not express the amount of hurt that I was feeling during that time. Thank you again for sharing about this. Like I said, I know it wasn't easy to go through, let alone sharing with it. So I I appreciate that vulnerability because I think that that's, that's something that a lot of people lack. It's just being able to just straight up admit what they're feeling and then talk about it. So I think I encourage you to keep doing that because that's encouraging me and I hope it encourages other people because it is a very encouraging thing that I think a lot of people need to get better at and hear more of. Those are tough emotions that you're feeling, and I'm sure that you still experience, especially when you share the story. As Christians, we think that if we're obedient and we follow God's plan, everything's going to be so smooth and so easy. And like I said, we're not called to, to live an easy life. So when we think that we have our own plan, the wrenches get thrown. I have my stories too, where everything logistically makes sense and everything is so sound, but then there's a wrench that gets thrown into it. And I think a lot of the times we think that that's God just being like, you're being so mean to me. Why aren't you giving me what I want? But it's like, you know what? It's not about us. And I think that's what's hard is we fight it. We fight God in every aspect. Did you realize that this was you fighting God at any point? Like, Did that snowball get bigger because you let it? Or, you know, how did that work for you? I got so bitter and so hard-hearted that I did not realize what I was doing. 
I knew that I didn't want to go to church and I knew that was wrong. I knew that I didn't pray because I didn't want to because I was so angry with him that I didn't even want to talk to him because, again, in my perspective, I thought, he's done this awful thing to me and I can't believe he's done this to me. And it wasn't until about a year later I was having a conversation with my best friend and I finally just like let the whole snowball and over that year I knew that I had women who loved me and were praying for me and although they didn't live here I knew that they lived although they didn't live here I knew that they were still there for me because as soon as I made that phone call and we decided to end it I texted all of them and said hey this just happened you're my support system and I'm gonna need you over the next few months and A few of them really, although they didn't say anything to me during that time or didn't push me going to church or praying, they really did make it known that they cared and that they loved me and that they were always going to be there for me. And just knowing the women they are and knowing the random texts that I would get of, hey, just wanted to let you know I'm praying for you today. I knew that I had women behind me who wanted what was best for me. So through that and through their persistence, my heart kind of soft started to soften a little bit. And then after my conversation with my friend Laura, who told me that we don't obey the Lord out of like expecting him to bless us, we obey him out of our love for him. That was when I felt those walls just crumble because I realized in that moment that my perspective was completely twisted. But it wasn't until then that I realized how bitter I had become. And in that moment, it was the weirdest thing. I was driving home from work and I remember saying the words to her, like, I can't believe God would do this to me. I'm so angry with him. I honored him in my relationship and he took him away from me. And when she said that to me, it was like everything changed and I could just feel his presence with me at that moment. And I just, I immediately had a desire to go home and just pray and ask for forgiveness. And honestly, I can say that that was not me at all, that the Lord was the only one that could have ever drawn me back to him like that because I had strayed so far from him. I think that's so good and so courageous and encouraging and exciting. And God has so many different characteristics to him. And that's something that we obviously learn through reading the Bible. Oh man, he is just literally such a good father where he he protects us. He gives us strength. He, he takes care of us, but he also is a father that's not just going to let us go through life. And it's not going to be scotch-free because what kind of a father would he be if he just let us have an easy route. And no, it's not necessarily saying that he's making all of these hardships happen to us. We are sinners. This world is a sinful world and we're making our own decisions. We're fighting God. We're making our lives harder than it needs to be. And when we go through really hard situations, regardless of if that was on our own doing, if that's just what happened in life, God is going to get us through it somehow. And it's just having the faith and the encouragement to just continue forth and the motivation just to continue forth seeking after him. And one of the things that you said earlier was getting involved in church and you spoke about the women that really encouraged you and gave you wisdom and like you had your wise counsel. That is something that's been touched on in another podcast episode of how big community is. Actually, multiple podcast episodes. Community is huge and it's not just people who are going to lift you up when you're sad. It's people who are going to keep you running. And I think when when certain things happen, especially if you're a new believer, if you have had a lot of life circumstances just hit you, those snowballs just keep getting bigger and bigger. And, and then the more we try to fight it, the bigger they get. Fuel that it sounds like you clearly had and have 
was the fuel of that fire for the Lord. And that is so powerful. And everything that you did turned back to God, which is so, 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 so incredible because that fuel that you got literally was starting to melt. Like you said, bring down those walls, but it was literally melting that snowball that you let harbor in your heart for so long. And that is so freaking cool. That is so cool. God is so good and he's so powerful and he is such a good father, so many good characteristics. And one of them was even in a time where you thought it was good, God's fault, he still gave you the encouragement and the motivation and the desire in your heart to go towards him because that's the only thing that you needed and should need. So that is absolutely incredible. And it's so, I'm literally going to get goosebumps. I'm shaking and (laughs) this is so good. I told you guys, man, I'm already sitting down, but I don't know what the next step after that is. I'm going to like lay down or something like that because (laughs) I don't know what else to do, but this is so good. This is exactly the point of this podcast, man. It's so exciting. And even after all of that happened and he had softened my heart, when he had softened my heart to the point that when more heartbreak occurred, the first thing I wanted to do was run to him. I didn't want to run away from him because I knew that in that moment he was protecting me. And so I think that was when I really realized like my perspective had changed and he really had been working through that process of sanctification with me the entire time. And he had really been trying to get a hold of my heart and help me to grow in grace during that time so that in the future I would learn to depend on him instead of growing angry with him. That Yeah, that's so good. I'm really glad that you learned that and you're able to share that because when people go through hardship or we get stuck at the point of darkness and that's all you want to turn to is the temporary satisfactions or you want to turn to it's or we think it's easier to just stay in the darkness because like how else are we going to get out we think it might be harder to get out than just to stay but honestly it's just so freeing and, and the light is just so much more beautiful than the darkness but you've given so much good advice through this and the wisdom is like I said I was shaken I it's just so good but you've given advice thus far you know reading the bible in chronological order getting involved with community and seeking the lord in all that you do do you have any other advice that you'd give to people that have been through really hard ships that are still harboring in their heart or people that are having the hardest time giving their heart fully to God because of whatever reason. Yeah. So there are a few different things I recommend to those struggling with bitterness. Um, The first is to find a few close friends who are wiser than you whom you trust and who you can be vulnerable with. Tell them what's going on, even if it's uncomfortable. Ask them to hold you accountable and ask them to give you their perspective on the situation. The Lord has blessed me with a great group of women who love me and support me and give me wise counsel and guidance. And they don't always tell me what I want to hear, but they do tell me what I need to hear. And that's extremely important. They're some of my biggest cheerleaders. They're some of my biggest prayer warriors. And he's used them in so many ways in my life to help me grow in grace. Having a godly community is crucial. The second is to get involved in a church. Don't just attend worship service. Find ways you can serve. And the third is to learn how to study the Bible and how to pray. We must know God's word and meditate on this when we face trials. 
In order to know God's word, we must study his word. And if you do not know how to study God's word, ask someone to teach you. Even if you don't feel like studying the Bible or praying, do it anyway. It'll help you to not lose perspective. Finally, examine your heart. Ask yourself if there's any unforgiveness. Ask yourself if there's any circumstances which you've been unable to thank God for. If the answer is yes to either of those questions, confess that to the Lord and ask him for forgiveness. Ask him to help you work through that. And finally, trust in the Lord and his sovereignty. Amanda, thank you so much for being on the Building the Blueprints podcast. I love this topic and I hope that people can learn about vulnerability. I hope people can get excited to join a church if they're not already part of one. I just, I, I really hope that people can just hear the message that going to God do anything is the most important thing. It's not just something you have to do. It's not something you're advised to do. Like you need to do it. Like your heart needs it. It literally does. So really hope that people can pick up on that. Do you have any last words that you would like to say? Thanks for having me today. I appreciate you and all that you do. Oh, I'm just going to shed a tear now. I'm just kidding. Um, it has been so good having you on. I, like I said, she's so, she's so wise and she has gotten me through a lot of what I've experienced in those last two years in Lynchburg. So I'm very thankful for her and our friendship and how it just continues to grow. Folks, it is the end of the episode. I am thankful that you listened to this episode. Hopefully you can listen to the other ones. Very, very encouraged by the feedback I've been getting. I'm so just excited to share these episodes. I think, like I said, the whole point is just sharing wisdom. And I've got so many wise people around me that I just, I love hearing more in-depth answers of, of stuff that, that they're sharing about. So it's so cool. There's so many people around you that are so wise. So just ask people, ask people, what's your story? You know, have you been through something similar to me or something, you know, talk to people, make friends. Friends are fun. But until next time, you know, maybe I'll have an intro next time. I don't really know. Um, I've been working on it, but it's kind of weird. I, I might just start off just talking like I've been doing, but you know, whatever. Anyway. Until next time, this is the Building the Blueprints podcast.